200 accredited courses and more than 1,000 videos, the Police One Academy is a powerful online solution that provides department training programs with features that reduce time spent on records and policy management, credential tracking, and more. It is law enforcement training made simple and effective. For more information and to get a 30-day trial, visit www.policeoneacademy.com forward slash policing matters. Hello, and thank you for clicking, and thank you for listening to Policing Matters, the Police One podcast. I'm Big Wiling. Hey, this is Jim Dudley. Jim, um, we've covered a couple of different topics in the last several weeks. Uh, I think it's time that we revisit something we've talked about in the past, uh, and that is law enforcement officer suicide, and specifically um, prevention of that. Uh, At the time of our recording here uh, in your office, On campus, uh, there are 39 reported uh, law enforcement officer suicides this year. Uh, Last year, that number totaled uh, 228, which was uh, at least 100 more than uh, had died by by, uh, line of duty death. And that line of duty deaths could include vehicle collision, gunfire. Um, heart attack, 9-11 disease, you know, a variety of uh, training accidents, a whole different host of things. So the, the, the problem of law enforcement officer suicide, I think, has become more of a conversation. Um, it's been uh, illuminated by Blue Help, which is uh, um, an organization I'm a part of. Um, Blue Help tracks law enforcement officer suicides as well as provides um, resources for officers who are approaching crisis. You know, you just go to the Blue Help website and there's a link there and all you have to do is fill out your location and whatever it is that's troubling you. And that could be marriage, could be financial, could be job, could be a variety of things that would lead an officer to um, have ideation of suicide. Um you know, the, the increase in the number of reported suicides can be attributed to a couple of things. One is that there perhaps may be an increase in the number of actual suicides. The other is that it's more reported. It's more visible. More of these incidents are happening at a police station or in a squad car or in a public place where it's previously people would report, you know, accidental discharge while cleaning the firearm at home. And, you know, you and I both know nobody cleans a gun with a round in the chamber. That's just not the way it's done. Um, But what are your thoughts on, you know, how officers can better support each other and agencies can better support their employees? Well, I think we have to take the cue from the the professionals, the professional clinicians. I I think we've we've struggled to handle it ourselves in-house as, as we always have, right? It was that secret that we didn't really want out in the, in the public um, eye. And so I think that's hurt us over the years. I think, you know, you gave the numbers. I mean, the, the share knock in 228 reported in 2019, up from half that in 2016 at 143. We've seen a, a slight increase every year since 2016, but, I mean, the doors were knocked off in 2019. Um, so we need help. We, we, we need help from professionals. If we're going to do anything within our own uh, jurisdictions, if we're going to create peer support programs, I think we should go in 
with our eyes wide open, look at the literature, adopt the physician's credo of first do no harm. And I think one of the knocks on um, post uh, incident uh, briefs, um, you know, critical incident uh, debriefing where, um, you know, there was something horrific, a child was involved, an officer involved shooting, officer shot. Um, we, we, we held these sort of informal post-incident briefings. And I remember seeing an article in the uh, American Society of Evidence-Based Policing that had a link that talked about the fact that they have found, a study has found harm in, uh, depending on how you conduct those post-incident briefings. So I I think that leads into my next uh, idea of having the medical professionals, the psych professionals do an epidemiology study Mm -hmm. to break down the 228 from 2019 and the years before and find out what are the commonalities, what are the stressors. I mean, I, I know a big contributor is the fact that as a profession, we have guns and guns are immediate access to a solution that is really a long-term solution for a short-term problem, probably. But what are the other factors involved? And I've got to believe that there are commonalities that uh, could be stopped with intervention. And I'm really sorry that you know every year we go by and we don't address it that we're missing identifying those commonalities. Mm-hmm. I think you know due to the fact that I've been associated with Blue Help um, now for about four or five years. Um, it's become clear to me in that period of time that the conversation, the stigma of having just the discussion of I need help, having the ability to give an officer the opportunity to say it's okay to not be okay, that has changed, in my perception anyway, in in my work with Blue Help, has changed substantially in the last couple of years. Um, Whereas at the very outset when I first started working with Blue Help, um, there was still, it was just this taboo. You couldn't talk about it. You couldn't talk about the fact that you have emotional or mental or what ha- uh, physiological even problems. Um, you know, so many officers uh, uh, who have died by suicide actually have really suffered from physical um, pain, you know, like injury, actual injury, yeah. prior to their taking their own life. Um, I, I mentioned this earlier. It's not necessarily the stress of the job at all times. It can be any and all things, but you made a really good point. Law enforcement officers, unlike veterinarians, a huge number of veterinarians killed themselves, Hmm. um, which is a a very, very fascinating kind of thing. Uh, But they don't, those veterinarians don't necessarily have access to a weapon, Hmm. right? Um, Where every officer, generally speaking, has access to a firearm, at least one, if not more. Right. So there's that kind of connective piece, right? Um, but you, you can have financial, marital, all kinds of different problems that lead a person to have ideation of dying by suicide. Um, it's not necessarily about the job, but sometimes it is. And it's, it's, I think that's where you have... Um, employee assistance programs, that you have to figure out a way as an agency to remove any kind of um, negative ramification for contacting EAP or for contacting your peer support, you know, where 
I think a lot of times in the years past, people would say, I'm not going to talk to anybody because I want to make sergeant. I want to make SWAT. I want to make canine. And if I talk to somebody and say I've got a problem, uh, that could prevent me from that kind of promotion or you know move into a different kind of or, specialized job. Or carrying a gun. Or carrying a gun at all. Exactly. So it's... Um, the, the, the numbers you've, you've obviously pointed uh, to, to an increase in the reported numbers. Um, we don't know what we don't know. Um, there are still, I'm still very, very suspicious every time I see a, a, a story about a single vehicle patrol accident. He's not, he or she is not responding to a call and they collide with, you know, a bridge abutment mm-hmm. and are ejected from the, from the vehicle. I don't know. Yeah, is that an accident or is that you know an intentional death by suicide? Because they're on duty, their family would get the benefit, the death benefits, and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So there's it, it w- there's so much that we're still trying to uncover and, and and peel back the layers of this onion. Yeah, yeah. No, and and we are a segment of society, and I think society, if you looked at suicide across the nation you'd see the numbers going up and there's something endemic there's something there's a root problem um that we have this mm-hmm. opioid crisis the, the alcoholism's through the roof and people are self-medicating so um it, it, it may be bigger than just the the profession but you know it we have an affinity this to this profession and so it really hurts to see these numbers and to sit with the fact that we can't do anything for these people that are resorting to the last resort. Yeah. And, you know, to your point, it's, it, it, it is the end of the line for the person who dies by suicide, but it is the beginning of a very, very long road for those who are left behind. And kind of in closing, I want to make sure that we address the fact that agencies and officers and colleagues need to uh, keep in mind the families of those who have uh, been left behind and continue contact with them, continue to support them. You know, there's so many times that officers and cops will say, you know, we're brothers forever, we're sister, you know, we're family. But, uh, and if, if a person dies in the line of duty, Everybody shows up to the funeral. Everybody. Agencies from all over the place shows up. If someone dies by suicide, it's the family and maybe a couple of people. Mm. And that that needs to change. And I think that one of the things that Blue Help is doing a really good job of is making sure that agencies have a sensitivity around supporting the family that's left behind. Yeah, I agree. Um, if you are in crisis, if you are approaching crisis... Please reference the National uh, Suicide Prevention Hotline. Go to bluehelp.com. Fill out the uh, little form. Uh, you, you can you have you have support. You have help, and uh, we we care about you. And uh, the world is better with you in it. Send us an email to policingmatters at policeone.com. That's policingmatters at policeone.com. Thank you again for listening. <laughs>